Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this main house production. Here on Merely Role Players, we improvise stories for your entertainment and our own, and we use role playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming, because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. This episode is part of our current main house production, Vigil Quarry. To tell this story, we're playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat. So please take your seats in the main house. Tonight's production is about to begin. Vigil, a Merely Role Player's main house production. Quarry, Act 3 of 4. I'm Helen Stratton and I play Melody, the Constructed. She owns Sherry Downs Cafe Come Record Shop and knows how to handle a tough customer. She's got a heart of gold, which just so happens to be secondhand. Hi, I'm Chris Starkey and I play Cameron Jarvis, the Roland. Cam's parents and sister were killed by ghouls when he was just 10 years old, while on a camping trip near Sherrydown. Ever since then, a Doom agent has been secretly training Cam to hunt and kill monsters. I'm Vicky and I play Renko the Flake. Renko is a Doom agent on furlough who was assigned to Sheridan and is now convinced something significant is happening in town. I'm Strat and I play Briar the Monstrous. Briar is a shape-shifting fey guardian of the Rosebriar Forest. They take their job very seriously, but can get a little distracted if there's mischief to be made. The hunt is mustering, they're marking their quarry. Cam saw a rider carrying a bucket, and the rider had no head. The outrider, precursor to the hunt. Melody is drenched. Something coats Briar. You've splattered Cameron in it as well. Once it's on you, they can track you wherever you go. Tatty Ghoul, what's the deal? An opportunity to avoid the fate the marks on your face have marked you for. The Outrider, like, uh, if he dies, then all the blood will come off. I mean, it depends who shows up for the muster light, but yeah. uh, but they've got like some of them probably have like bows, crossbows. Some of them might have guns, even yeah. um, probably swords and stuff. You know, yeah. all the stuff that you bring to a hunt. Oh yeah, all the things you bring. to But a like hunt. the main stuff is that it, it, that they they can ride through the sky and they can't be outpaced and uh, can't be hidden from. But this is only if they're all there. Only if it's at full muster, yeah. Okay. 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 So running away isn't really an option then, is it? Yeah, I mean, they'd probably enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure your friend is being very helpful. Could you hit her with my ha- your hammer? Yeah. I think that would just be fun. <laughs> sure, okay, I'll just head out the back. Thanks. Yeah. Go out the back and make clattering noises and make it sound like I'm getting my hammer. I really don't want to hit around it. But I'm willing to pretend to be scary. Wait, wait, Briar, I've told you everything you wanted to know. Why are you telling your friend to hit me with a hammer? I think it might make me feel a bit better. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it's not what you wanted to hear, it's it's what I know, it's the truth. Fine. Well, okay then. And Briar will hold out... (laughs) <laughs> a very bloody hand, I guess, to shake the water nymph. Oh, no, I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be passed on, then? 
I don't have to be the huntsman to mark someone. Uh, no, anyone that's got... The, like, the the hounds smell the blood. Interesting. Well, uh, you've been very helpful. Uh, off you go. And as he says off you go, he's going to just, like, as if to say off you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why have you marked her? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. somebody that has another vested interest in not being hunted. It was kind of... And also, Brian's just not very happy. <laughs> and Faye, I think, will get pretty vindictive. Yeah. I was going to say, on top of that, you will, there is also an opportunity to um, send her back somewhere, like, not to where she came from in the first place. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, where, where, do you, where do you unsummon her back to? Um, I, I think to Duck Pond. <laughs> okay. <laughs> somewhere that is watery. But also, not really that pleasant. Yeah, this is good because this is, feels very briar and it's something that might help you in the short term. Yeah. Like you say, to have another fae in the in town who has a vested interest in the hunt, not riding. But also, in the long term, it is going to kick you in the arse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's not, she not going to be happy about this. No. So all we see in the shop is that you flick and you see her like put her arms up to cover her face, but the droplets hit and kind of mingle with her watery form and then your summoning spell drops They're around. She, she sort of splashes elsewhere there is just a small scene at the duck pond where she just sort of surfaces up uh. through, the, through the surface of the pond scattering ducks <laughs> oh. and looking extremely pissed off Briar really knows how to burn through his social capital <laughs> <laughs> and so when, when Melody returns into the shop with Bruce or without, <laughs> there is just a puzzle. <laughs> no more, no more nymph. Is she gone? Yeah, and somebody else is going to be uh, attracted by the hunt. So that's you know their their, their attention what? will be more broad. I, I threw some blood at her. That... <laughs> I don't think I don't think that you should have done that. It's a silly fae. They deserve everything they get. You haven't met them. They're pompous. They're incredibly dull. Uh, okay. Shush. It's all courty. They don't have a... Par- I went to a party once thinking it might be fun. Fine, it was okay. just... It was volivons. It was just A's oh of endless volivons. Okay. And not even nice ones, like the mushroom ones. What's going to happen now? Oh, I don't know, I are guess. Are you going to continue causing chaos or are we going to try and do something productive? Well, I thought now? I might try and put the blood on some other people that, you know... <laughs> I don't think you should do that. But then the hunt will be after them and might not be after us. I think you and I are pretty thoroughly marked. Yeah. I think causing more trouble will only produce more trouble. It's not going to distribute the trouble. I thought, you know, a problem shared was a problem halved. You did not think that. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're quite right. I didn't think Percy's still kind of in the process of furnishing, of moving into the the caretaker's cottage. So it's a little kind of sparsely furnished with mismatched things at the moment. But there is a a sofa and some folding chairs in the lounge. Ernie arranges himself on a folding chair uh, with a view of the front door. Um, uh, As we do this, I'm just going to take some of the bandages that left behind and start wrapping up my hand properly and dealing with it. I don't know if you heard them, Ernie, but they are... It seems like it might be part of the hunt or being hunted. It. You know, the one that got away, apparently. Don't. Don't accept. Why? Why shouldn't I accept it? You know what it did. This might be my only chance. Two reasons. One. The hunt. We shouldn't let it happen. It's, it's bad. I didn't always think that. But I do now. The hunt must not be allowed to muster. Two. You've heard me and maybe you've heard elsewhere talk of hounds. Mm-hmm. What do you think this hunt's using as hounds? Alright. The people, I presume, get turned into bloody great dogs, is that right? 
ghouls, CJ. Oh, okay. That's what they're like. They they flock under the banner of stronger stuff that can protect them. You wouldn't be hunting ghouls. You'd be working with them. Those ones that delivered that invitation, they're the hounds. They're what? And he gestures to his dressing. Got me when I turned the invitation down. Right. So the thing that the thing we know about is that going to be in the hunt, or are they going to be hunting it? You mean the ghoul? Yeah. CJ, you were just talking to it. I tried to take it out, but you you stopped me. You didn't want me to. Right. You couldn't have um, just shouted out the out the window, and that was it. That was the one. I was that. You. If you do not help me again, in every way that you can, you're fucking next. Do you understand me, Ernie? You tell me where I can find it right now. Okay, I am just gonna put the kettle on. <laughs> Would everyone like a cup of calming chamomile tea? Cameron, why don't you take a seat? We'll try and get all the information. And if we can stop this hunt, I'm sure there is still an opportunity for you to get your ghoul. I'm sorry, CJ. Cam Don't Cameron, me. Cameron, I'm sorry for a lot of things. I'm gonna, I'll, I will, I'll do what I can now to make it right. He just nods at him and just walks off, gets with air. Renko can tell that there's still something that Ernie's holding mm -hmm. back. At which point she's going to <laughs> spend her token <laughs> to ask how does this mystery connect to the bigger picture? Look, you've obviously given us a bit more of the truth about everything that's gone down here to do with this hunt. But I can tell something bigger is at play here. What are you not telling me? Oh, I can see why they kept you on the books. You're, <laughs> you're tenacious. <laughs> Angel. <laughs> Renko, you are too smart by half. Anyone ever tell you that? Well, it's got me into trouble and out of trouble more than once. If I tell you this, it is confidential Top, top secret, and you cannot tell Cameron. Well, I don't really tell him very much anyway, so I don't <laughs> think you need to worry. There was, a, there was a scheme 14, 15 years ago. Wiser heads than mine saw that the way the wind was blowing in the government saw that we were probably going to take the brunt of the cuts and that we weren't going to be able to be as hands-on out in the regions. And so... Plans started to be formed about ways we could create efficiencies or outsource. <laughs> and someone came upon this legend of the hunt, oh, this entity. Sons of bitches. Yeah. This thing that supposedly scours the land of all evil. And somebody thought maybe if we could conjure that, we wouldn't need individual teams in the regions. The hunt would just come along and do it, do our job for us. So we started experimenting with, well, how do you make a hunt happen? You lay the groundwork and you create like a grouse moor. So we captured specimens of the sort of thing that the hunt might like to chase. And we released them in places with not much population, trying to conjure it in those places where it wouldn't do so much harm. And one of those places, you've probably guessed, was the countryside around the forest here. And the Jarvises got in the way. And that's why it was shut down. Now, the aunt knows that I was involved in that project. That's why they came to me with the invitation. But I've my perspective on the usefulness of the hunt has changed a bit in the intervening years, to say the least. So I turned them down, and their pet hounds 
gave me what for in return. Hang on a minute. So the ghouls that attacked a family 14 years ago in Sheridan, that was Cameron's family? Yeah, sad to say. But the department was really responsible. It was a grey operation, but yeah, it was my team, funded through the department. And now it's really out of control and you don't know how to fix it. Well, what I think has happened is in the years since, we've lost all our funding. We're not protecting the regions anymore. We're not protecting as many of the people. And so in a weird roundabout way, that's created the conditions for the un. Because the people need relief. And that's more, why the hunt musters. More weird stuff happening, more people getting attacked by weird things. It builds up and it builds up until people are calling out for something to deliver them from evil. And that's when the unk comes. Do you know how to stop it? The quickest and easiest way is, is you kill the outrider. And that, that, won't, that won't destroy the hunt. It won't stop them ever coming. But it will stop this muster. And, and buy us all some time. Okay. I think it's best if you stick around here. I'm going to scoop up Cameron and we're going to go and find our other compatriots who've been marked and see if we can do something about this outrider first and foremost. I'm assuming it would be your advice to not allow Cameron to join the hunt. No, the hunt is... It, it's indiscriminate. We thought that it... You know, we believe the hype that it, it scours the land of evil, but the Outrider marks anything, any being affected by a mission. Yes, we've already seen that happen. And, you know, some of those things are all right. Yes, yes, they are. Right, okay. Right, you stay here, and then I'm going to go to the door and say, Cam, we've got some work to do, and we've got an Outrider to find. Sheridan Library, After Dark. You're all regular patrons and uh, fairly friendly with Val McGrew, the librarian. And so... <laughs> and I pissed her off. <laughs> and also, of course, you're good friends with the sponsor and architect of the Calisterius wing of Sheridan Library. And so using the Library After Dark is not an issue for, <laughs> for any of you four. Um, in fact, Mrs. McGrew is still on the premises, you know, doing so, updating some records. The lights are mostly low and she just has like a standard lamp on her desk. And whatever areas you want to use are lit as well. But it is gloomy at the library as you all come together. As I walk past her desk, I've got to say to her, Mrs. McGrew, work-life balance. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got keys. Yeah. <laughs> Has she been... Um, covered in blood? She has not. I'm going to ask about everybody because we yeah. might find some fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> it's definitely worth doing. Briar will enter the library as an owl, which seems like an appropriate animal to be in the library. <laughs> a wise old owl. So you never take a human form, even if you're just trying to it does sometimes. Oh, only if I have to interact. Well, what with about Mrs. Humans. M? Oh, Miss M. I'm sure Mrs. M knows about Briar. <laughs> but she I mean, won't remember she, anything. Yeah, she's yeah. as affected by omission as anybody. So she might remember that manky animals get into the library sometimes. Yeah. You fly over her head. If yeah. that's what you're. Well, exactly. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I, I just wanted to understand. It's either that or the photo on somebody's um, library card is them with an owl on the shoulder. <laughs> right, so I've pissed off a nymph. You've fallen out with your mentor, but at least we know what we got to do. We've got to hunt a ghoul. The hunt. You're right. Not the, well, <laughs> we we absolutely need to kill the ghoul. But I want to absolutely kill the ghoul. But first. <laughs> I would very much like to kill the thing that's going to get me killed and Melody killed and you killed and the, the nymph that I may have, you know, hastily decided to mark killed. Okay. You can't kill a ghoul if you're already dead. But they'll be coming to me. Yes, but, well, 
they will, and so will a load of other very powerful beings Doesn't that can matter. fly up through the sky on horses. As long as I kill that thing. And we will, we will kill it, we will kill it, but maybe easier to kill if we're not also having to defend ourselves against the hunt. And if you refuse the hunt, they'll send the hounds on you after. Anyway, so either way, they're going to come after you. That's a really good point. <laughs> and I rip up the, <laughs> the invite and I go and say, I'm not very good with books. I'm going to wait outside. So have we got any thoughts about how to A, find the outrider and B, how to destroy it, given that based on your accounts, it already does not have a head? Well, the outrider carries around a bucket full of blood. You've got the blood. Surely there's something we can do to track the source of the blood. Yeah. Find the blood, find the outrider. So what, are we just looking for books that begin with H? (laughs) (laughs) For for hunt or headless horseman? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it covers a multitude. how to find some blood. Um, can I have sent my blood off, dropped my blood off with somebody who I know can analyse it? But I think a tracking spell, that's what we could do. Oh, we could. Yeah, that's a good also, idea. Also, we should probably research the Outrider to see if it has any weaknesses. Yeah, we can yep. do that too. These that's all seem like good we things to do. We can do all of these things. You, you can definitely have collected more than one vial. Yeah, so you can sure. have one that is off being analysed mm-hmm. by whoever. My type uh, friend. Some of your contact. Tell us about this This. Contact. This is somebody from a new move that you've taken. Um, so yeah, this is someone from my my Naked City move, which gives me uh, contacts in different areas from my sort of past life. Uh, so I think this is probably somebody who used to work in the kind of forensics mm-hmm. department in the DO. A bit maybe been laid off and now yeah, gone, that's my thinking. Gone and private. Gone private, doing some consultancy, doing something dodgy. Not totally sure, yeah. but w- works in a chemist, but yeah. does job <laughs> exactly. Jobs. Yeah. So um, I think uh, so. Their expertise is not just forensic science, mm-hmm. but like occult forensic Great. science. Okay, cool. So uh, you've hit up that contact. Mm-hmm. So you're going to owe them a favour at some point. Oh yes. Uh, but that does give you plus one to investigate a mystery. Yeah. So that's one way you're investigating. Um, mm-hmm. Using some another vial of blood as a kind of like sympathetic magic, mm. locate the outrider yeah, spell. That's Sounds really great to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yes, hitting up the books for you know law about How to this kill being. Or yeah. Um, do you want to do? I feel like the books first, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the one that's least likely to act. Like you need to know the weakness before you do yeah. the location. Looking through right? a books montage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so who, who would like to hit the books looking for info about the Outrider? How does this work? It is Investigator Mystery, so it's a plus sharp it's roll. It's a Vicky roll. <laughs> plus and, two for sharp and plus, plus one, one because of because the... Because hit up contacts. Hit yeah. up my contacts. Thank God. <laughs> that right. is a six, uh, so it's a nine altogether. Right. I think all we need to know mm. is what can hurt it, right? So Headless Horseman is a like a good keyword that gives you lots of lots of folklore that you can draw upon you find books that reference a, a spirit known as a dullahan mm-hmm. manifests mm-hmm. as a horseman with no head uh, sometimes also just simply called a headless horseman there is sort of the the folklore of sleep, sleepy hollow mm-hmm. is part of it but there's also like older english folklore and irish that you're drawing upon mm-hmm. here as well uh, the headless horseman first of all this is kind of a weird one. It's scared of gold. Ooh. And once you kind of point this out, uh, like this is just something that pops up in the folklore and it's like, that's a bit weird. Why would it be scared of gold? But kind of bringing this up, Briar can kind of fill in the, the blanks of this. Is like, this is a creature that is a servant of Seely Fay, mm. who are kind of aristocrats and they're probably quite cruel masters. Mm-hmm. And it associates gold with its cruel masters right. and will flee from it. Okay. But in terms of actually harming it, it, like a lot of the folklore agrees, you can only kill the headless horseman by destroying its head at the same time as its body. Mm. And there are conflicting accounts of where the head might be, buried at a crossroads, mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, at a named grave, that kind of thing. But there is an interesting... There are an interesting few myths and bits of folklore that suggest that the head is in the bucket and that's where all the blood that it's throwing Mm. on people is coming Uh. from. (laughs) 
Alright lovies, it's me, Matt, your compare for this main house production. While the players get ready for their next scene, why don't you and I take a little look through the programme? Tickets and pitch submissions are both now open for Interactive Soup in October. This is the event I talked about back in Act 2, where everybody buys a ticket and all of the ticket money goes into a pot, and on the night, which will be Tuesday 4th of October, everybody turns up, eats some soup, some people pitch for that pot of ticket money, and whoever wins the vote at the end of the night gets that money to use for an interactive performance project. So back when I talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was a watch this space kind of affair. But since then, we have opened to pitch submissions. So if you feel like you have an interactive performance project or uh, an improvement that would be a benefit to the interactive performance community in any way that you could use sort of 200, 300 quid for, please submit a pitch. Uh, you have until midnight on the 20th of... Or how does this work? 11.59pm on the 20th of September uh, is when submissions close for that. So if you have something that you would like to pitch for, get your pitch in on the form. We then, or, or some of the volunteers who are part of the interact, Interactive Soup, go through those submissions, just double check that they're all actually eligible for the uh, funding, weed out any that aren't, and whichever ones are, they go into, ra into a random draw, and five of those that are randomly drawn will get to pitch on the night for the pot. So it's a good one to get in for because it's the first one, so competition may well not be all that fierce. So if you want a good chance of being one of the people who gets to pitch on the night and therefore one of the people with a chance to get the pot, this is a good one to go for. So get your pitch in on the form. Tickets are also available. So even if you're not interested in pitching, you can now get your £5 ticket, which gets you your entry to the event and your soup and your vote for what to do with the ticket money. All of that stuff is linked off interactivesoup.mailchimpsites.com. All the relevant links are in the program notes for this episode. Hope I'll see some of you at that event. I'll probably be there doing some sort of miscellaneous admin tasks like uh, checking tickets or counting votes, something along those lines. Just before I go call beginners for this next scene... I want to tell you a little bit about Play On Podcasts. I've talked a little bit about them before. Uh, this is a podcast that does modern audio-first adaptations of Shakespeare plays. And they've got quite the back catalogue now. They've been going a little while. So if you're anything like me, you will have the selection of Shakespeare plays that you've seen before and then the ones that you're less familiar with and then sort of within the ones that you've seen before I feel like everyone has okay these are the ones that I've seen before and never feel like I need to see again and these are the ones that I've seen several times and now feel like I need to wait a little while before I see another one. Hamlet's definitely one of those for me I saw about three in reasonably quick succession and don't feel like I need to see that one again unless someone's doing something really different with it. And then there's the ones that you've seen over and over again and never get bored of. And of course, the ones that you've just never seen produced. And play on podcasts don't just play the hits. They don't just go for the ones that everybody's familiar with or that everybody's seen and kind of never gets bored of. They've got ones like that. So like... I would put Midsummer Night's Dream and Twelfth Night uh, within that category. Uh, Macbeth, to a slightly lesser extent for me, just because, you know, it's heavy. You don't want to see it over and over again, but there's lots of interesting stuff people can do with it. So they've got a Midsummer Night's Dream production. They've got a Macbeth. They've got a Twelfth Night. But then they've got stuff like Pericles and Coriolanus in their back catalogue, which are ones that I'm just not familiar with really at all. What I'm saying is... Subscribe to Play On Podcast because you'll get new, fresh, audio-first, modern takes 
on the Shakespeare shows that you are really familiar with and think you know, but they'll show you a different side. And also they'll introduce you to Shakespeare plays that you maybe are less familiar with by redoing them in modern English verse, creating them specifically for the podcast format. Whatever app you're using to listen to this, search it for Play On Podcasts or head to the link in the program notes for this episode to find out how to find them. With all that said, please take your seats once again in the main house. Tonight's production of Vigil Quarry Act 3 is about to resume. Have we got any gold? I have. Oh. Really? Where are you keeping it? Have you checked your butthole? (laughs) 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 The problem is that Brian Wooden would be like, oh yeah, look, some gold. (laughs) But it would turn to coal in the morning. Yeah, Yeah. probably. Um, Yeah, presumably it has to be, does it have to be real gold or will fairy gold count? (laughs) I'm just going to confirm I have no access to any actual gold. I am still not really being paid. <laughs> There's a um, jewelry shop in the high street. Yeah, I truly do have gold. Oh. Ooh. I have been, in the past, a bit of a kleptomaniac. I <laughs> might have stolen some shiny things from some churches. Ooh. So I've got some silver and I've got, I, I, my preference is gold. I've got some things in. Okay. Yeah. This is good. Yes. Do you mind if we melt it down or do something with it? Because um, I, I was thinking I'd just course. go and nick some stuff from the jewellery shop and wear it. But if you've got some. <laughs> I've got, I've got wearable. <laughs> wearable gold items. Yeah. Wearable candlesticks. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've got I've got heavy stuff, um, and we've I've got wearable stuff. That's fine. Brilliant. Okay. So you know where you can get some gold. Do you still want to also do your blood ritual, or do yes. you want to get gold first? Blood ritual. Blood ritual. Do it. I want to know Let's where f- this thing is. Let's find out where it is. <laughs> the way I would like to work is, I would like to create a bubble, magical bubble that the 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 blood is kind of within. Mm-hmm. And I want to enchant the blood so it is always attracted to its source. Mm-hmm. So it's Ooh, always it's pulling towards yeah. where it's going. A blood Beautiful. bubble compass. Perfect. Yeah. And it can kind of flood <laughs> around. I got the idea when I saw the blood go into, <laughs> into Brooke. <laughs> oh, no. Perfect. Oh, Brooke. I'm glad she could be helpful. Nah, she's really annoying. <laughs> the volathons. Come on. Uh. All right. Um, so uh, yeah, I think having having the blood is the the only requirement you're going to need for this. Cool. So uh, this is going to be a use magic roll. That's well, weird. Magic and magic. Uh, so five, six, seven, eight. eight. Okay. So you tell me the glitch, and I tell you exactly what it means in the fiction. I mean, short duration, I guess, is no. Problematic. Yeah, that is problematic. So. And effects is weakened, I don't want that. I don't want it to take me harm. So the only options I have is immediate unwelcome attention or problematic side effect. <laughs> so I, th- I think with um, with Cameron waiting outside, the magic will draw immediate unwelcome attention. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, magic axe, no! De- describe your magical ritual with this vial of blood. I think yeah. Briar will just put a finger to one of their nostrils. <laughs> And take a very theatrically massive <laughs> <laughs> bubble. Oh, His nose gets bigger at the same time. Yes. <laughs> the bubble bigger. We're just uh, away. And we'll hold it, and it's weirdly solid. And without really asking, just going to place it in Renko's hand. Go, oh. Hold that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the blood upturned on it, and kind of just—it's not very. It doesn't look very magical. <laughs> He's just going to hit it like uh, like uh, a ketchup <laughs> tube <laughs> to get all the blood in the bubble. Some people think magic tastes finesse. Really, you just, you know, got to give it a good whack. (laughs) Crack it out, okay. (laughs) And the blood is injected into the bubble and sort of rattles around in there for a a couple of moments. And then 
uh, swoops up one side of the bubble mm-hmm. to rest against one one not side because it's spherical, but <laughs> against the wall of the bubble, not the bottom. Mm-hmm. Almost straining, like it almost jumps out of Renko's hand mm-hmm. uh, as the blood is straining towards its source. And at the same time, Cam, you hear distant hoofbeats, which immediately draw closer. And behind you, the automatic sliding doors of the library slam open into their uh, sockets with incredible speed, much faster than they were ever designed to do. All of the glass falls out of them with a great tinkling and shattering. And the blur of the fast-moving outrider enters the library pulling up short at the front desk and swinging the bucket towards Mrs. McGrew. I'm going to stand in front of Mrs. McGrew because I feel like I've been on the verge of chatting with her the whole time, so I think I'm there. Roll to protect someone. Mm, This is plus tough. Yeah, okay. My tough is plus two. Then I'll do it, then I'll do it. I can't see the numbers. Oh, you rolled a nine, so Thank you, yeah. Eleven. You protect them, but you'll suffer some of the harm they were going to get. Yes. Uh, and then, because it's a 10+, plus, you get an extra from that list. Yes. So which extra are you taking? Can we pick and hold on to them, maybe? Because they're fast. Yeah. I could hold... Well, I can only hold them back. I feel like we could interpret hold them back as kind of, like, keep them at bay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Okay, I will go for that, please. Okay, what does this look like? Do you literally just run in front and kind of like spread eagle and and put yourself between it and Mrs. McGrew, or are you sort of doing something with So initially I would do that and then it as a continuation of that I can move shelves. Yes. yes. Oh cool. Mm. Um so you're jumping in front of Mrs. McGrew and beginning to sing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the shelves begin to walk. Um I feel like they slide at speed. Okay, great. Forming this wall behind you between Mrs. McGrew and, and you. Yeah. And the, the Outrider's horse rears back and for the first time you're seeing, you're all seeing it not in blurring fast motion. The horse is black and jets of steam come from its nostrils as it rears. Its livery is all in black leather and iron uh, and the rider is dressed in leather armour that has been dyed red by dried blood. Mm. The stump of its neck is still pulsing, continually bleeding. In one hand it holds a wooden bucket in which you can see blood sloshing. As it rears back, it doesn't throw it on Melody at this point. Uh, And you can see coiled up on its waist within reach of its other hand is a bone-handled flail. Renko will have seen engravings of this in the books that she was using. Uh, it is a flail made of human vertebrae. Of course it is. Lovely. So as the guy has come charging past me, mm-hmm. I just turn around and say, things have escalated quickly here, guys. <laughs> How do we kill this thing? Um, taking advantage of Melody's stopping and holding it back and taking advantage of my new preternatural speed. Yes, do it. <laughs> um, a large eagle owl with massive talents is going to, uh, using my other new, sp- <laughs> new skill, uh, fly through the book barrier because <laughs> they're not a problem for Bra anymore. And just on the off chance, it's going to plunge those talents into the bucket. If there's something in there mm, that it can feel, yes. it's going to grab it and fly s- straight up and try and get away from it. This is so putting the head in the bucket theory to test. Roll to act under pressure. Oh, I'm really cool. bad at that. But I get plus one because because I'm well, because you're using an appropriate yeah. form. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Yeah. I'll give you that. Well, here we go. So this is cool. So plus zero. Yikes. Uh, seven. That's a seven. So on a mixed we success on act enough. under pressure, uh, you do what you were trying to do, but I will offer you a hard choice or a price to pay. This owl is flying with intent at the outrider. Mm-hmm plunging towards the bucket that may or may not contain his head. Mm-hmm. It is going to take an attack at you with the the spine flail on your way past. Basically, you have a choice. You can either avoid the attack but not get your claws into anything in the bucket and mm-hmm. kind of wheel around for another go, mm-hmm. or you can succeed in getting your claws into whatever's in the bucket, but you're going to take two harm. I will take that harm. Briar's owl claws 
sink into something softer than wood and Briar has to flap their wings particularly hard to lift back off. This is why the, uh, the spine flail uncurling at the side of the Outrider manages to land home and land a, a heavy blow on Briar. I can't try to protect him from this. You, you can try and protect him, yeah. Oh. I will leap. <laughs> <laughs> Still shouting, how do we kill this thing? <laughs> and I'd grab its, like, maybe I'd yeah. try and hook an arm round, round it yeah. to try so and it, it, it grabs the flail off its belt and it unfurls, but you manage to, you, you attempt to grab its arm as it's winding up to hit Briar. Right, so roll plus two. So that is a six, eight total. Okay, so you protect them okay, but you're going to take some of the harm. Sure. You can handle it. I can take it. It manages to pull its arm out of Cam's grip. What you did do was hold it back long enough that it doesn't get a full swing on Briar, but it flicks its wrist, flicks the whip, and um, the sharpened vertebrae at the very end clips across Cam's face and then across one of Briar's wings. As Briar comes up from the bucket, flapping hard with a blood-drenched, hair-all-matted head in his talons. A lot is happening at the moment, and the the other thing that somebody might notice, Renko's probably in the position to Mm -hmm. notice this more than anybody else, is that uh, as the outrider reared in front of the front desk and the bookshelf slammed into place to protect Mrs. McGrew. Mrs. McGrew jumped up from her chair and started coughing and smoke oh, is God billowing out of her mouth and nose. Okay. That's behind me, so I don't need you to worry about anything yeah. about yeah, that. Yeah, Melody at the definitely doesn't see this. Yeah, if you're making a move, definitely the bookshelves go for are it. In the way. Um, you might hear coughing. In my mind, Renko is also behind the shelves. It's, is that the yeah. case for you? I think so. Great. Melody would shout to Briar to drop the head. Let me catch, <laughs> try and let me catch it or have it near me. Okay. Um, Briar will fly away from the beast, uh, kind of hooting <laughs> the affirmative, but go away from it still. Doesn't want head to be near. I can fire books at the horse and the rider. <laughs> Just to bamboozle it. Just, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If but- that helps. Well, yeah, if you said that, I'll drop head, but at a distance. Uh, if... A distance from me? No, okay, I'll just drop it. I'll just drop it on top of you. Hoping you're... <laughs> yeah. Uh, batter <laughs> up or something, I'm, I'm not sure. That's what I'm looking for. Sorry, yes, I will do that. Can somebody tell me how to kill this thing, please? <laughs> just shoot, just shoot at it. <laughs> yeah? Try yeah. Not, okay. Try not to kill the horse. <laughs> No and promises! I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kick some ass on this head with my sledgehammer. Oh, yes! yes. yes. Whilst yeah. I cock the shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be juicy. <laughs> as soon as the, the head drops into Melody's arms, the Outrider is focused entirely on Melody. Yeah. Like, it is difficult to read exactly how you're working out where its focus is because it doesn't have a head, but it is just... Projecting forward, like projecting intent at Melody, it does not want you to have this head. No. So, yeah, I think it's still a kick some ass roll because the body and the body is still trying to defend the head. So great. Give us a roll plus tough. Amazing. So, so Melody's dropping the head and pulling out Bruce and winding up for a test your strength machine. Yeah. Thing. That's it. Ten. You deal damage, it deals damage to you, but you get to pick an extra option mm-hmm. off the kicks and ass advantages list. Give plus one forward mm. to uh, another hunter to so, Cam. Great. All right. Yeah, okay. great idea. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because you're definitely going to do damage. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. How much harm am I doing to this head and is it enough? What's uh, your hammer? What's, yeah, what does your hammer do? Oh, uh, three. Three hands, very messy. <laughs> oh, you better. <laughs> it's so messy. Hey, that, she's already got blood on her. That is enough to destroy the head. Okay. It doesn't take much. No. It's a sledgehammer it's against a head. <laughs> what is, you know, uh, to all extents and purposes, intents and purposes, uh, a human head. That sledgehammer comes down and there is an almighty mess. Yeah. <laughs> 
a, a, a splintering crunch sound and just stuff everywhere nice. that we don't want to dwell too much on. Yeah, yikes. Um, as the hammer is coming down, so is the whip. Melody is just kind of wide open yeah, as yeah. she swings with the hammer. Uh, so Melody takes two harm from Ooh. the whip. Is Melody bleeding? Mm, what does Melody do? Because <laughs> you don't bleed when you detach parts, do you? Mm. So is no. there actually any blood in there? I don't think I... I don't think I bled mm. during Tourist Trap. No. no. Things just sort of fall apart. Musical yeah. notes come out of you. <laughs> and I have like a... Like bits just fall off you. <laughs> yeah. And you could put Where them back I... on again later. Yeah. Yeah. So in which case I think what it does is it knocks you back into the bookshelves. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and you drop Bruce. And uh, whilst that's happening, Matt, I want to try and stick the shotgun. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sort of standing on the horse behind <laughs> And I'm like sort of jiggling about. And I've got the shotgun. I'm going to shove it into its neck. Ooh, <laughs> so oh, trying yeah. to bypass any armour or anything <laughs> it might have. I mean, All right. Likely. Yeah. Roll plus tough. Kick some ass. And so a plus one going forward. So plus, plus, yeah. Plus five, one plus from Melody's help. Ooh. That's an eight total. Eight total. So you're going to uh, deal harm and take harm. Okay. Sure. That's fine. So what does the shotgun do for a start? Uh, so it's three. Three harm. Um, but hopefully bypassing any arm. It all gets through. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, uh, and the whip just is moving in kind of these very fluid arcs mm. now, like it never comes to rest. Having swipe, having slashed across Melody, it just comes back around and up and like coils around uh, one of Cam's wrists, Ooh. kind of biting yeah, into yeah. it. Uh, for two harm, which I believe for you is none, right? Don't try to hit me and hit me! <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. do have a spine whip coiled around one of your wrists now, nice. um, but you are unharmed by it. It doesn't cut through the leather. Great. Or the Kevlar. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just cocked the shotgun ready for round two. I would like to... Um... <laughs> Ask Cam nicely to uh, step away. No, get back. <laughs> uh, can't right now. <laughs> okay, can do what you need to do. I would like to get close enough to use my shriek. The pleasant singing that has been animating the bookshelves and and flinging books through the air, adding to this air of chaos in the library. It, incre- it crescendos, increasing in volume and yeah. becoming more tuneless. Yeah, it can, if the books can't go at the same time, <laughs> which is fair enough, the books can all drop and it's, as it switches into the screen and um, yeah. we'll see what the screen does. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know whether Melody hasn't used this in the show before, no. but whether anybody is aware that she is capable of this and kind of knows what it means when the books drop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is happening. <laughs> you just hear the in-breath. Yeah. Plus tough, kick some ass. Six plus eight. So eight. Total. eight. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, do, you, you do it. Okay. So, yep, so you're going to deal the shriek harm and you're going to take, take harm in return. So you actually have helped Cam. It, with a flick of its wrist, uncoils the whip from Cam's yeah, arm nice. and swings it round for another slash at you as it sees you breathing in. Okay. But it's not fast enough to stop the shriek from happening. What does the shriek do to it? Because <laughs> we know we know it it harms it. But is, is there like a Is it like on a like a cellular vibration <laughs> yeah, level? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's either like that or it just like makes or... it burst open and I'm, I like don't I'm imagining more um, Canary from um, yeah from Birds mm. of Prey from Birds of Prey how Let's she does like it's that. like a supersonic yeah like it mm-hmm. affects you on like a cellular physical Perfect. cellular level yes that would be please cool. um, and the whip cracks down on you a moment after the the shriek takes effect okay. uh, for another two harm oh can mm. I protect you can try yeah roll plus tough what do you do so uh, I can see that he's this is the same arm as playing I'm going to just try and grab it with one yeah. hand. You could like it's um, it's flicking to uncoil the whip from your hand. You could just try and catch it yeah. as it's coming off. Wrestle sure. it back. I will try and do that. So this is tough. Uh, eight. So we share the damage. Yep. <laughs> Which effectively means none for Cam. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you you catch the whip uh, and manage to manage to like take some of the sting out of the swing. If you were not wearing heavy leather biker gloves, it would 
cut your palm yeah, as it right. came through, but it doesn't. And it swings down and clips Melody, uh, not as hard as it was trying to do for one harm. I tried. <laughs> seeing how surrounded it is and seeing the ruins of its head on the ground, the outrider rears back. Uh, the horse turns in place and the outrider attempts to oh speed God. off again back the way it came We've out. got to stop it here and now. We've got to kill it now, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, ideally. Theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast, as well as editing and producing the episode. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time... If drama be the food of life, play on. Yeah, blow a bubble somehow. <laughs> I don't know what form they take to be able to blow a bubble. Like fish who spit bubbles. Yeah. A seal. <laughs> a seal. Yeah. I'm trying to keep it to more forest-based <laughs> <laughs> uh, forest. animals. Just a seal. Count forests. <laughs> <laughs> you were a meerkat at one time. Um...